As a country, we hit a major milestone this year. There are currently more jobs than there are workers to fill them in the United States. This means remaining competitive is our top priority to recruit the right talent into our organizations. As potential employees do their research on where they want to work, it's our job to show them why we are their best fit. On this episode, we're talking with a CEO who knows how to make the Indie Stars top places to work list and breaking down how they got there so we can attract the best talent available. Let's get to the podcast. Welcome to another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella, alongside Associate Dean Phil Powell. Here on the show, we exist for one thing, to help organizations make better business decisions. To you, our listeners, how can we help you or your organization? Where can we make improvements for our show? Or how are you or someone you know disrupting your industry that could benefit other leaders? We would love to hear from you. Send us an email to ROIPod, that's R-O-I-P-O-D at I-U-P-U-I so you can help us help you. Okay, so today we're hanging out with the CEO and co-founder of Perk, Andy Medley, and diving into what makes their organization a top place to work here in Indianapolis so our companies can recruit the right talent. Perk is one of the well-established technology companies here in Indianapolis. At the heart of its business model is an online marketing tool that helps customers through their buying journey when they're buying something online. And this is a company that's been around for a while. It was founded in 2001, actually through print ads for car dealerships. So they started with pen and paper, and now they're one of the most progressive technology companies here in central Indiana. It's fully in the digital space, lots of innovative solutions, and its its team is now over 120 employees. And among the bragging points that Perk brings to the table is that they've made the Indianapolis Stars top place to work three years in a row. So they're winning in the talent game, and we want to hear them tell that story, and that's the focus of this episode. And that's going to be the question. How do we become the top place to work in this city? I remember we were sitting outside and um, may or may not have been having a cold beverage and talking about um, what we wanted the culture to be and what that even meant. And, and, and I don't know if we framed it up exactly like that, but it was more like we're going to hire people. What are we going to tell them when they come in here? Because a startup was not a normal thing in 2001. Um, getting people to buy into a vision, you didn't read that, right? There were no blog posts at that point in time. Um, so there was no guides like there are today where there was you know, just all this endless amounts of information on how to start up a company. And so we really asked ourselves a foundational question. Um, what kind of place do we want to be uh, to work for? That was it. I love that. He says, what kind of place do we want to work for? And sometimes I think as leaders, we have this innate desire of constantly learning, of gathering knowledge and making the best decisions we have available. But sometimes I think that can be our downfall. Sometimes I think we can overanalyze so much so that we just forget the basic question that Andy says, what kind of company do I want to work for? And using that as the leverage to set that fundamental culture, uh, you, you could say, for your company. You know, Matt, you've overanalyzed your culture. If you can't espouse it in a few words and then designed your workspace and the work environment around that. And so, you know, at the end of the day, Andy's underscoring this conclusion, culture is the foundation. I think probably the most important thing is be intentional. So, um, 
we say that if you, you have a culture, it's just whether or not you're in charge of it. And, and people don't like to think about that, but every business has a culture. Um, you just might not be the one that's directing it. It might be being done internally and by some people that you might not want to be in charge of that culture. And, you know, culture is an important part of the ROI podcast. And, in fact, for our listeners who want a deeper dive on this issue of culture, please check out episode 68 with Lee Cockrell and 69 and 70 with Dave Summerall. We're going to give four tips that Andy helps us explore how to become a top place to work within your city. And it starts with with us as the leaders because here on the podcast, like we, we say often, an organization is only as good as its leadership's driving that company. And so we have to start with us as leaders. The first tip being, ask ourselves, who are we? And this isn't a very philosophical question. This isn't uh, something that's supposed to be overanalyzed. Just getting down to who am I as an individual? I think that if you're going to have a good culture, it's impossible to separate it from the founders of who they are. Um, if they're actually engaged every day, right? It, it, it permeates like who your execs are and who you work with and how you, what conversations you have, how you, how you fundamentally make decisions, right? And that all just kind of just how you work, right? And who you are as a person. I mean, that, that kind of at the core is culture, right? That's the core values guiding the culture. Um, it's setting the underlying or unwritten rules about um, how we talk to each other and how we treat each other. Because, uh, you know, I'm in almost every meeting in the beginning. And so it's just kind of going that way. And so it's got to be super genuine. Because if you have to come in and change who you are as a leader, that's not going to work. That's not going to scale. It's not in my personality, nor is it in Scott's. We're probably open to a fault. So, which means that you kind of got to dial it back <laughs> as opposed to open it up. Those are some of the mistakes we also made early on is we shared way too much and it would spin people out. Hey, we're thinking about doing this. Stupid stuff, right? Stupid stuff that it's like um, it wasn't cooked out enough and they would walk away and go, what am I supposed to do with that? Well, actually, you're not supposed to do anything with it. I shouldn't even have told you that, right? Um, so we're, we're, we're open and, 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 and highly trusting um, as a default, and that's the only thing that fosters a, a culture of accountability is to make sure that you put yourself in a position where it's like, I'm gonna, you're accountable because I trust that you know exactly what you need to get done and you're going to do it, and that's why you're here. Um, and you understand the bigger goal. And more importantly, the people sitting next to you, they're counting on you. Um, that's what a good teacher or a good culture is. That's what, a, that's what a good team is. I think this is key. Who we are has to be very genuine. As he says, if, if we're going to scale our culture, uh, we have to be genuine because if we're not ourselves and we're trying to change and conform our leadership to fit this made-up culture that we want it to be, it's going to be very obvious to the people under us and it's going to create some rifts and it's going to create mis-expectations. And I think ultimately it's going to create a place where a lot of us are experiencing in, in some organizations, there's almost a disharmony, but yet we simply can't put our finger on it. We just kind of know it's there in the culture. And it's one of those things that's hard to define, but I think that is probably one of the reasons why is because we're trying to, as leaders, create a culture that doesn't represent us. The most successful organizations are authentic. Authenticity leads to success because people feel it. Customers feel it. Investors feel it. Workers feel it. So when an organization is comfortable with itself, and it often reflects the person of its founders, that comfort 
translates into success and an ease of doing business that really makes everybody feel pretty good. And I think for leaders, a great exercise here would be just take some time, take some time away with a little journal and start really opening up your heart to yourself. Write down some traits, write down some, write down some personality things that just stir you, that just define you. And then, and then as we get into, once we take that, the second tip that Andy gives us is to turn who we are into business practices. You know, Matt, to build on your point there, I love the quote from Andy, every business has a culture you just might not be the one that's directing it. So what that says is if you're CEO and you're not intentionally defining, modeling, and projecting the culture that you want, somebody else in the organization is. And since culture is the most important asset in an organization, that means if you abdicate that, you're really taking a huge risk. And for Andy and Scott, you know, as they defined and asked the questions who they are, what they found is, They're both extremely competitive. They love sports and they're transparent, open, and trustworthy, almost to a fault, as we heard Andy just say. We really started to take to the competitive side of our nature and realize that the best way we could build a good culture is to be true to who we are as people um, so that it wasn't fake. And we're super competitive and we love games. um, And that's what was so exciting to us about uh, business. So why are we trying to change that, right? Um, for somebody else. That's just what, that's the answer. Okay, great. Well, what does that mean? What does a business as a game mean? Well, it means that you are um, first and foremost explaining to everybody what the big goal is because that is not easily understood. And, you know, it, um, Ursay or Tony Dungy never had to stand in front of the Colts and say, this year, guys, it's a new year. Um, we have a new goal. Our new goal is to win the Super Bowl. Well, coach, what were, we, what were we trying to do last year, <laughs> right? Everybody understands in, in, in most sports, but that is not the case in business. And, and if you can create a compelling mission um, with a vision around it that's understandable, that can be pretty exciting uh, to be a part of. And so um, that was kind of the first thing is laying down the mission. And then from there, it's how do you create the ability to tie everybody's day-to-day activities, regardless of the role, to that mission, in a way that makes them understand that what they do every single day truly matters because it does. There's a specific reason why you are hired, and we work re- we worked really hard in the beginning to make sure they understood that. Uh, absent a, a good game is a, a scoreboard, right? Um, you would never see uh, a team run into a huddle and 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 Coach K at Duke go um, start to talk to the kids, and one of the you know one of the college students might raise their hand and say, "Hey, Coach, what's the score?" And Coach K says, "Don't worry about it." Just go out there and play hard. I'll let you know later if we won or lost. Right? That sounds stupid. Um, but that's how business is a lot of times where people are inside the organization have zero clue to the performance um, of the organization. So we're open book. And that is our scoreboard. And we set very specific targets around what we're trying to accomplish. The best thing is that you feed them a scoreboard and then they want to get engaged more and learn the rules and understand the game as much as humanly possible. Wonderful. Um, Because now we're off and now I have your brain and now I know you're engaged and more importantly, I've given you a number to make you accountable. That's such an interesting concept to me. The fact that as an organization, they're not afraid to show you the books as an employee. That's something that's very taboo, especially in the business world, because I mean, the books are the most intimate parts or you're holy of holies within an organization. Yet they leverage that, which stems back to their openness and their trustworthiness and there's success there. 
And we're not saying for you as an organization that you need to start opening up your books and you need to start showing all your finances off. Um, we're not saying that at all. We're just we're just showing and giving examples how their trustworthiness and openness bleeds and stems into their culture of their company and how it's given them the success to make them a top company to work for year after year. And Matt, I love it. They, this is, you know, strong culture leads to strong confidence in who you are, independent of what standard practice is. And so at the end of the day, this is just awesome. A company says, we're just going to be different because that's who we are. And if we can't be this way, we're not going to be successful. And there's a peace and a calm when you accept, embrace that and actually wave the flag and define your identity around it. So the next thing we, we have a clear idea of who we are. We've started to implement that and make that the business practices. The third tip Andy offers is to clearly define your employees' responsibility right when they start. We work really hard to make sure you understand what your responsibilities are once you start. We have a time to value metric. So a time to value metric means that when you get hired, I'm gonna give you a very specific target that helps you in your new role because you're coming on, you're drinking from the fire hose, you're trying to learn everything, where's the restroom, right? Um, if you cross this within the first, I think we try and do it in 10 days, know that you're doing a good job. And we set them up for success, right? So, and it also kind of gets them ingrained in the idea of like, hey, we're me we measure things here. Then there's the reality of what you're also asking. So let's assume that we're hiring and we're trying to get smart people and talented people that care about what we're accomplishing, um, that are accountable. All right, so for us as an organization today, we, we promise three things to everybody we hire. The first is a compelling mission, um, a big goal, one that you uh, can be excited about and that one you believe in. Um, secondly is a promise that everybody in here has a very big responsibility and is accountable to a specific thing, and we do that by tying their daily actions to that big goal. And the third is a promise to hire smart, talented, like-minded individuals. That's the, those are the three things. Those are our elements of success for a culture. The byproduct is a good culture. You get smart people in here. They're excited about what they're go, doing. They're all marching towards the same path, um, trying to accomplish the same thing. Uh, and the end result is fun. It comes down to one word, Matt, alignment. You know, if you listen to enough of these episodes, it's all about alignment for success. And here with Andy, we've got alignment from culture. First of all, we got alignment back to personality, to culture, to the way they do business, to the impact on the bottom line. And they lay it out very clearly in their place of work. And when you have alignment like that, your employees don't spend time figuring out what they need to do or where they stand. They just go and they do. And when you do, you generate profit. And the fourth and final thing, in order to create a company that's going to make your cities top places to work list is we got to give good constructive feedback to individuals. But for us, uh, what we know, especially when we talk to talk to the staff and, and, and you can read, you know, a lot of best practices is that the worst thing you can do is put an employee in a position where they don't know if they're doing well. And you're cutting out that feedback loop. And a feedback isn't only metrics. But it certainly is an environment where they can understand, like, especially if you empower them and say, this number matters, and here's why it matters to this. It's not a number by itself. Um, it's a number that equals something bigger. And that bigger, if you care about because you got recruited to go help us accomplish that big thing, um, 
If you believe in that, then you understand what your responsibility is. What Andy is saying reinforces a growing skepticism in companies of the utility of an annual performance review. And this process that a lot of companies go through is showing more and more not to generate results. It's not how our brains work. Our brains don't work on 12-month cycles. So actually, you see a lot of companies these days getting rid of these annual performance reviews and just accepting the fact that supervisors and workers have to be interacting more and more and more. And then that's, you know, daily feedback is much, much better than an annual performance review. And Andy shared with us in his interview and something we didn't quite have time to put into this episode, but every Wednesday, him and all his managers sit down and he says they have 120 metrics that they go through as an exec team and as a managerial team. And through that, I mean, that right there gives you that instant feedback just for your managers. So then you know, okay, our target's way off. Our, our five-year target through the lens of a CEO and a manager is maybe our one-year target. And salespeople, our, our quarterly or our monthly target, it kind of makes sure, hey, are every, is everything in line? Are our crosshairs dialed in so when we pull the trigger, it's going to hit the target? Or are we off and where do we correct? How do we adjust? And that feedback right there translates straight down. Information is power, but knowing how to interpret that information and tie it to your own appraisal of personal performance That's the magic of success in really well-run organizations that consistently beat their competition. So let's recap. With an incredible economic boom here in the U.S. that's creating more job openings than there are workers to fill those positions, it's up to us, the leaders, to draw the top talent. A great way to stand out organizationally is making our city's top places to work list. But how? CEO and co-founder of Perk, Andy Medley, gave us four great tips that helps them remain on the Indie Star's top places to work list. It starts with dreaming of and creating the right culture. We go more in-depth on creating and maintaining our organization's culture on episodes 68, 69, and 70. The first tip is asking ourselves, who am I as an individual? Andy is open, competitive, and tired of boring work environments. Just like with Andy, who we are as leaders become the unwritten rules of interaction inside your organization and allow for scalability with less resistance because our culture becomes genuine. As Andy said, if you have to come in and change who you are as a leader, that's not going to work. Next, we then turn who we are into our business practices. Andy's competitiveness drives their internal culture with clearly defined objectives and rewards for reaching goals. His openness becomes, as he puts it, their scoreboard, giving every employee access to their financial books, creating personal accountability to specific goals. Third, we need to make sure we communicate very specifically our business practices to new employees with intentionality. Because as Andy puts it, quote, every business has a culture, you just might not be the one that's directing it. Set them up for success with obtainable goals early on. Their personal success creates a lasting impression of a great company. Finally, constantly give constructive and authentic feedback. This helps our all-star team stay on track toward our organization's overall goals, which in turn creates a unified team marching in the same direction, feeling like their hard work matters. This has been another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. 
I'm your host, Matt Martella, alongside Associate Dean Phil Powell, working hard to help organizations make better business decisions. If you enjoy our podcast, it would mean the world to us if you could share it with your friends and family. Also, be sure to subscribe to our show so you can get the most up-to-date content right to your device. We'll see you next week.